And last week in Isaiah chapter 9, we, we looked at some of the prophetic references concerning Jesus' birth. And so I want to go back to that. Let's look at those again just to set this Advent uh, series. I believe these will be the anchors of what we'll look at each week. Notice in Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so we think about our world living in darkness. We think of the times in our own lives that we were groping in darkness, but Jesus' light shone in our hearts. In verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so we see verse 7 here as it, it concludes this passage in Isaiah talking about these aspects of our coming Savior. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so we looked at this word zeal last week. It simply means jealousy or jealous. It's a strong desire and deep devotion. And I want you to know the zeal of the Lord is a picture of God's jealous devotion and concern for His people, you, and your welfare. God created us, and He is fiercely protective of you and I because we were created in His image. And so the Christmas story is a story of God's jealous pursuit for the hearts of men and women boys and girls. He's on a hunt for your heart today, and He wants to give you peace, the Prince of Peace. God, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ came to restore peace in the hearts of people dwelling in a world of darkness to a world absent of peace. We know this was Christ's mission. We know this because of the Gospels. And so let's go back and let's look at what Jesus himself said about his arrival. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Turn in your Bible, Matthew 4, verse 12 through 17. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. It's on the north end of, of the Sea of Galilee just below where he preached the Sermon on the Mount and in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Verse 14, so that, was, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Verse 15, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Listen to this, what it says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light and for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And so I want you to know that Jesus came and light was dawned on the dark hearts of men, and he set us free. And so let's go to Luke chapter 4, and let's hear from Jesus' words in Luke 4. Let's begin with verse 16 through 21. Now, this was beginning his ministry. He, he's there in Nazareth where he grew up as a young boy, as a young man, rejected, 
But listen to what it says in verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down in the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them, today, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so we see here Jesus, Emmanuel, coming to earth. We see his mission. Jesus affirms that he is the Messiah, and he lays out his ministry and mission through these Old Testament prophecies. Jesus clearly stated he came, but he came to do specific things. Notice what the scriptures we just looked at, to bring light to those dwelling in darkness. I want you to know, if you feel the dark despair of depression and, and rejection and loneliness, I, whether you're a believer or not, I want you to know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He came to bring light to your situation, to your heart. He came to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, give recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord, his favor. And I love what it says in Luke 19.10, talking about Zacchaeus there in that scene, to seek and to save the lost. And so we know that Jesus is on pursuit. Jesus did all these things by tearing down and the dividing wall of hostility caused by our sin. Now, we've looked at this passage, but we're going to go back to it, Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 17. Now, let me just read it to you. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might in himself create one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. In this last phrase, he came and preached peace, peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And so I want you to know, Jesus' message today is a message of peace, shalom, well-being, absence of chaos in your heart. It's a settled assurance of His presence. And so in tearing down the wall, this hostility caused by our sin, and you look at the temple, it's a picture, this passage is a picture of the temple Paul is laying out. Yes, you had the temple, you had the wall of the Gentiles, but you had the wall, you had the curtain, you had the, the holy of holies, the separation. And so it's not just the Jews being separated from God's presence, it was the, the Gentiles, and he's bringing them, he's demolished them, he's torn them down where we can have access to God's presence. 
and experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so in tearing down the wall, what Jesus did was to remove the barrier between those who were in, in the crowd, in, in favor, ever how you want to look at it. We all know the people that are in the crowd and people who are outside the crowd. Jesus made peace for all mankind by reconciling us to God, creating one new body sealed by the Holy Spirit and bond of his peace. And so there's not the in, there's not the out, there's the new, and it's you and I, it's the church, and we get to bask in his forgiveness and his joy and his presence and learn of him and take on his presence and walk in his power. There's no better story in the Bible that contrasts the barrier between the in people and the out people than the story of the woman at the well. So please turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 4. We heard it, we saw it in drama. May we walk through it in its, in its truth. Let's begin with verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had, notice this, he had to pass, I'll come back to that, through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus wearied. I'm glad God puts all these little nuances in there. He was in the flesh. He was 100% man, yet he was 100% God. And he knew what it was like to be tired, hungry. He knew what it was like to have sickness, wake up not feeling well. He, wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't exempt himself from any of that. He could understand our frailty. And so he's wearied. And he comes and he sits beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So what do we see here? Point number one, we see the pursuit of peace. The pursuit of peace. Let's go to verse four. I love the phrase here, and it's intentional. It's, it's in the language, in the Greek language, it's imperative. What does he say? And he came to pass through Samaria. Jesus didn't have to pass through Samaria. He knew because he knows all things, he had a mission. He was going to cross paths with a woman who was living in the darkness of life, who, who was marginalized by her, her, her condition. And he put on his sights this, this place to stop. And he had to pass because he knew there's a woman whose heart needed peace that he could only give. I love what it says in Ephesians 2.17 when it says that we just looked at, he came and preached peace to you and were, who were far off and peace to those who were near. And so I want you to know, you may feel like you're very near. You may feel like you are in the end with God. You may feel like you're far away and you're, you're, you're isolated from God and you wonder if he's even there, if he even exists. I want you to know that he is here and his peace has come and he has come today to arrest your heart. 
and to set you free. And so the woman at the well was far off. She was not part of the in people. She was about as far out as a person could be. In fact, she was totally out as a person could be in her own town of Sychar. Jesus was in pursuit of her. And he moved his agenda, his travels, to meet her at the well to bring her good news of peace. And when Paul was describing the armor of God in Ephesians 6, verse 15, I love what it says about the gospel. He compared the gospel to this, listen, as shoes. He's talking about the armor, putting the armor of God on as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel is good news. It is peace. It is from God to us. In Zechariah's prophecy in Luke chapter 1, when he stands up, God freezes his mouth to speak. And, and what does he say? I love that, that, that prophecy that he gives. But in verse 76 and 79 of Luke 1, he says, and you, child, talking about his son, John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of what? Our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us. The light, Jesus, the sunrise, will visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The light of peace was about to shine on this woman who was dwelling in dark, dark absence of peace. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And this is the day the Prince of Peace found her and offered her living water. So I have to have, ask a question. Do you have peace today? Do you need peace? Let me move to the second point. We see the availability of peace. <laughs> I love the fact that it's available and it's free and it's, it's, ever flow, it's overflowing. Let's go to verses 7 through 15. A woman from Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Oh, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So what do we see here? Let's go to verse 10. Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. I want you to know that this phrase here, it's, it's the only place that we see this in the Gospels, in the New Testament. We use the phrase gift of God all the time when we talk about our witness and we're giving, uh, we're sharing the Gospel with others, but Jesus is telling her, listen, I'm giving you the gift of God. And if you knew who it was who's sitting here with you, you would be asking for this living water. In verse 11, he says, she says, where do you get that living water? And Jesus said to her, oh, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. Are you thirsty today for peace? You've tried everything you know to satisfy your thirst. You will be thirsty. And Jesus was offering her water, spring of water welling up to eternal life. And in John, we, we see this idea of peace. In chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus, he, he says here, peace, I'll leave you. It's just before he's going to the cross. He's in the upper room. He's with his, his disciples. They were distraught. They were absent of peace. They, they were troubled. And he says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why is Jesus saying here the peace the world gives, <laughs> he's saying that it's, it's temporal. And anytime you turn to the world to satisfy you, the things of the world, they will leave you thirsty. They're temporal. But speaking of this living water here, Jesus said, I am the well. Everyone who drinks of this water will, will have water bubbling up from their very being. Everything she had pursued, this woman, everything she had pursued to satisfy her thirst didn't satisfy. She had to keep coming back day after day after day to the same well. Notice she said in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to, to draw water. She was missing it. See, her eyes were blinded to spiritual truth. And, I, and this is my concern today. You may know about Christ. You may be associated with him. You, you've, you, you're in the church culture. But do you really know? Or do you see? Do you see spiritual things? Is your heart so callous that you don't even see? This woman, she was lost. She had no ability to see because things of God are spiritually discerned by the Holy Spirit in you. But God, the Holy Spirit, brings conviction. But she, she was missing it. She was just interested in solving her problem. 
And if you're here at church, yes, what we preach and what we teach will help you. It will help you have a better life. But unless you surrender to the living water, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, never have peace in your heart and you will always be searching it will never satisfy and so we see here what will in your own life do you keep going to find peace is it materialism is it success i'll never forget at the men's conference a reward that i used to lead uh, at Falls Creek, I had a man who, he wrote several books. He was a, a sports psychologist uh, and performance psychologist. His name's Dr. David Cook. He wrote the book, Seven Days in Utopia, that was made into a great movie. And I'll never forget what he said there in talking to him there at, at Falls Creek. He, he was the sports uh, performance psychologist for the San Antonio Spurs during their heyday when they were winning their back-to-back -back championships. And he said the first time they won, he, he noticed, he said all these guys, they had worked their entire life from little boys dreaming about being on the NBA, working hard at it and, and preparing. And, and they're there, and the day they won the national championship, they go back to the the locker room, and he could see it on their face and began to talk to him. And this is what they asked him, is this all there is? Whatever you turn to to satisfy the longing peace in your heart will never satisfy you. You'll have to keep going back. And so they go back again thinking it's going to solve the problem. They win another championship, and they feel just as empty because that will never satisfy what about drugs? Drugs, it, it, you just have to have more and more every time to get to back where you once experienced that utopia of a high. What about sex? You keep going back thinking it will complete you. And, you and you have to have more and it has to be more perverted and it has to be distorted because it's not the Prince of Peace that's giving it to you. It is Satan, the, the one who kills, steals, and destroys and he's just distorted it, and he's robbed everyone of their peace because he robs peace. But on this hot afternoon, there outside Sychar, the woman at the well who was in pursuit of peace found living water from the Prince of Peace. And friends, you can find that today, but you have to let Jesus Tear down the barrier walls in your heart, in your life. What are the barriers to peace? That's the point three. What are barriers to peace? Well, let's go to verse 16. Now, we see here in the passage that Jesus moves from using this, uh, he's going right to the point. He, he was using these metaphors before. But in verse 16 and 18, we see here her condition. He says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. I could, but she didn't say it that chipper. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so we see the barrier here to her there at the well was her condition. 
her condition. She is there. Can you imagine in this community? She'd been married five times. That's her condition. She's living with someone. But I'm reminded what Isaiah said in, in chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness on them light has shone. And so he gives her light. And he unpacks the darkness that's in her heart. Her condition no longer was going to hold her back. It was exposed. And here's, here's what will keep you. This is a barrier in your condition. You th Satan will want you to think, I've got to keep all of this a secret. Every no one is as messed up as I am. I'm the only one that's like this. We're the only couple going through these problems. You fill in the blank. And as long as you hold on to that and hide it in the darkness, you'll never get freedom. And so Jesus goes right to, the, right to the point, to the root of the issue, and he calls her out in a loving way, not in a judgment way, but in a loving way and saying, oh, you're right. That was the first step in tearing the wall of her condition down. I don't know if you've ever lived in, 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 in darkness. We forget. I'm going to have Tony and Leslie come up real quick. You, you guys, I've sprung this on you this morning coming in the door. And so I don't mean to run anybody off from being here every week. I rarely do this. Y'all come over here. Now, there, I have the best time every Wednesday night. And they're, they're in our re-engage group with Kevin and Babs and uh, they, they lead the group. And I love you guys. Y'all been here, what, a year, year and a half, year and a half. And I hear every week what it used to be like. And so I want both of you just to share a, just a, a snapshot of the, the lack of peace, the despair before you let Jesus tear down the walls in your heart. Well, I was, I was the woman at the well. I was the woman at the well. Oh, it might help if I turned it on. Sorry about that. Okay. I was the woman at the well. So when I'm sitting here looking at that, I felt like that was me. And I kind of felt like I grew up in church. I knew God. I knew he was. And as a young adult, I got away from that. And I kind of stepped aside to a different path. And I started taking that path. And every now and then I get scared. And I'd run back to the right path. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean that. I'll be good now. <laughs> and it got farther and farther away. I'd go a little farther off the path until one day I couldn't see that path anymore that I was supposed to be on. And it got to where Satan was telling me, you can't go into that church. These people are going to look down on you. You've been divorced. You've had multiple wives. You have this and you've done this. And I had all these strongholds that really pulled me down and made me think that I wasn't worthy. And um, by no coincidence, I ended up here and... Uh, when I came through these doors and I left all that here at this altar, uh, yeah, he made me a new creature. And the people that I used to be on the wrong path with don't even recognize me now. And they don't know this guy. And I want them to know this guy, know that these doors, this is a safe place. This is where they need to be. And there's a whole community out there that was me. <laughs> and, and quite honest, you know, 
I, I, it hurts. It hurts. I want to go out there and grab every one of them and drag them, <laughs> drag them in here. But um, that's that's Satan's lies telling you you're, you're no good. You're not. You're not worthy. And all those strongholds. Oh goodness! Pretty much everyone you just mentioned um, had a hold of me, and uh, I've been set free. Yeah. And perfect love drives out fear, and the opposite of fear is faith. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for every one of you guys. I don't know all, all of you by name yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> well, mine was very similar. I was looking for peace, anything you can think of other than look in the right place. And what I realized I was doing wrong is I was trying to change the Bible to fit my life instead of change my life to fit the Bible. And when I did that, I was indemnified. I was restored. I found peace that I can't even put into words. And, and everyone here that's welcomed us with open arms, even though we've been through divorce and been through these things that we know were not right. And now we will spend the rest of our days bringing as many people to God as we can in every Amen. sentence that we can have. Amen. Thank you. And so, they were convinced they could never come back into church. They listened to the wrong voice, but Jesus prevailed. And so conditions, maybe yours is not, maybe it's not as radical, maybe it's fear, maybe you have bitterness in your heart, maybe you have unforgiveness, maybe you have doubts. They all are walls that will keep you from experiencing the peace of God in your life. Her reputation, look at verse six, she's going out at noon the, the hour there that is speaking of, this sixth hour is noon, it's, it's 12 o'clock. No one was coming out to get water during that time and that was intentional because she did not want to cross paths with any other person. She was living in the shame of her reputation. And so you can imagine, you know, the looks she would get from other women that might be at the well. You know the look. The looks men gave her in the community of Sychar. You know the look, men. The one that gazes too long and entertains in your mind, thinking she's a loose woman. The cruel remarks from men and women of the city who were constant reminders of her sinfulness. You can see the despair in her life. And so her reputation was a barrier. How can you get over a reputation? Then it all follows into the third sub-point here is her identity in verse 9. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him. It's interesting, John doesn't give her name. She's called the Samaritan woman. But listen to that, the Samaritan woman. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? I don't know about you, but I, I, can, I can hear in her heart, her language. Listen carefully to what she is saying. The, it, it's, it has this, a ring of hopelessness in her question. This woman was bound by her broken identity formed by others and her own doing. She probably thought, I've gone far too long, far too away to ever be any different. Jesus came to set her free and to give her a new identity. Church, may we be a place that draws people like this. 
And it's a place of peace. It gets, here's the love of Christ, the truth of his word. God is the God of the second and third and fourth opportunity when we repent and we say, oh, have your way, Lord, have your way. I want your water. And then you see her religion. Her religion was a barrier. You hear that in verses 19. I'm going to have to be quick, but it says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father You worship what you do not know. See, she's coming out of her religious background. Her filters are are through her religiosity. And he says, listen, there's something new. The hour is coming and is now here when the new, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You can see her religion, and I've just about run out of time. I was going to have Dave come up, and I'm just going to tell you our, our story quickly. It's similar. Dave Tinker and I, we both have a lot of kids, and we grew up in a generation of moral Christianity, uh, moralism, try harder, do better. You see, religion is always saying try harder, do better. That's bondage. It's a barrier. And so we were checking all the boxes. Boy, we looked, we had our kids in a row coming out of the big 15-passenger van together, looking like they had their lives all squared away when we were screaming at each other on the way to church. And we walk in, and we put on our plastic Christian face, and we say, yes, in God good, when we're dying inside. Because we hadn't experienced the love of Christ like we should. Yes, we were saved. We were doing the only thing we knew to do, but we were caught in this moralism that invaded American Christianity. And you could look good on the outside, but be broken and messed up on the inside. And praise God, He didn't leave either one of us there. And He set us free because we taste the living water of Christ every day. Now, let me give you these last points, and I'm going to just bring it to a close. There is a breakthrough to peace. Jesus, in verses 25 through 30, he reveals who he is. And Jesus says in verse 26, this is, (laughs) I who speak to you am he. He says, I am the Messiah. You know, this is the first time in the Gospels he admits that he's the Messiah, Before his disciples, before the religious leaders, before the rulers of the city, he reveals that he's the Messiah to a woman at the well who's been married five times, living with someone who's not her husband, and is in desperate need of peace. Wow, what a breakthrough. And then we see an impact of peace on her life. The rest of her story, what does it say? It it goes, uh, verse 28. So the woman left her water jug. What was she coming with? She was coming here with a jug to get water. She leaves what she needed to carry the water back. She goes empty-handed, but she's filled with the living water. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I've ever did. 
She goes and she's a witness. What is the mark of true Christianity? You will be a witness. The moment you are saved, you'll begin to tell others, others in need of water. And you will go tell them your story. And that's why I love hanging around with Leslie and Callan. And it's Taco, excuse me, he goes by Taco. I love every Wednesday because I get to hear what their story was and now what it is and we all get to celebrate and I walk out wanting to high-five the world because it's impactful. It's impactful for my life and it's impactful for the ones they are reaching. They are going and they're telling. You heard it in his tone. What did she get? She goes back to town. She has a new reputation. She has restored identity. She has true religion. It's all because on that hot day at 12 noon, she met the living water, Jesus Christ. Wow, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for bringing us, Jesus, to this earth, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect life who walked among us and shared the good news of the gospel, the Prince of Peace, the gospel of peace. Oh, God, I pray you move in our congregation today that you will remove fears, that you remove the barriers that are holding people hostage to experience your peace in their life. Oh, God, call the lost. Break the save on their knees, Lord, today. Oh, come, God. Come among us. Dwell among us, we pray in Jesus' name.